Chapter Two of Geoffrey the Knight and the Fair Brunissande by Jean Bernard Marie Lafont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Estude de Verfey, the charger which was fleet and fair to view, started off like an arrow from its bow, so that as Geoffrey left the castle gates, he hoped he yet should overtake the knight, and therefore cried aloud to two men on the way, "Good fellows, if you can." tell me the road just taken by the lord who left the castle yonder even now if naught prevent you point me out the way one of those men replied speak you of him whose armour was so bright the same quoth geoffrey he is on before you start too late to-night to catch him up by heaven murmured geoffrey much aggrieved he cannot flee so far or sink so deep but i will reach him i'll seek him the world through where land and sea are found and will discover his retreat even beneath the earth this said he held his course and spurring came to a broad causeway where fresh prints of horses hoofs appeared upon the dust methinks said geoffrey that a knight erewhile hath passed this way so i will follow up this selfsame road while thus the trail is seen putting his horse into an ambling pace he rode on all that day without a town or castle being met at eventide he still continued on when a loud cry followed by a din of arms and clash of steel on helm suddenly rose from out the heavy shade geoffrey spurred readily towards the spot and cried who are ye lords who at this hour do fight ply since eyes of man cannot behold you but no one replied and when as fits a bold and venturous man he reached the place whence came the clashing noise the fight was over and the din had ceased whilst then he listened seeing naught and at the silence wondering there rose from out the shade deep sighs and moans when stooping forward he made out a knight so sadly hurt the soil was bathed in blood knight he exclaimed speak and inform me for what and by whom thou hast been so sorely used the wounded man could not e'en stir his lips or move a limb his arms grew stiff and with two fearful groans he yielded up the ghost knight then cried geoffrey to the corpse it grieves me not to know thy slayer or whether thou wert wrong or whether right thou now art dead but if i can i even will learn why and by whose hand he then departed and resumed his way now on the trot and now at ambling pace stopping at intervals to bend his ear and give a look around for some time nothing met his ear or eye but after having ridden for a space the noise of battle once again assailed him steel wood and iron met with such dread force it seemed as though the thunder vexed the air and that this din proclaimed the bursting storm at once then to the side from whence it came sir geoffrey turned his horse and with his shield about his neck his lance in rest prepared he spurred with ardour on for in his mood it seemed as though he ne'er should learn who slew the knight and who were they that fought on then to that affray he hotly came but to behold stretched stiff upon the ground a knight all armed whose casque and head besides had by a single blow been cloven to the teeth while his steel hauberk was all red with gore geoffrey his visor raised and touched him with his lance 
but seeing no life was there exclaimed with grief heaven shall i then never know whose hand hath slain these knights full of impatience he resumed his course and when he far had ridden lit upon another knight whose body was so shattered with his hurts that blood and life were oozing fast away moved deeply at his cries and sad laments geoffrey drew near and kindly asked what hand had dealt such measure to himself and the two others slain and which side was moreover in the wrong alas the wounded man made answer with a sigh i will explain to you the simple truth it is estu the master of Verfey, who has reduced us to the state you see to feed his pride this knight is known so quarrelsome and fierce that without mercy and without a cause he doth assault all comers far and near tell me said geoffrey was he wrong in this i will my lord with heaven's help and that without e'en lying by a word i and my friends were going to our rest when estu to my castle gates hard by rode up and bade us high defiance had it been day we should have tarried long ere venturing forth for we did know him master of such skill that few as yet could e'er make head against him so merciless beside as never in his lifetime ever known to grant his foeman grace seeing him not the bridge was lowered and at once was passed he having drawn as far upon the road the better for the treacherous ends he had suddenly stopped and turning with lance couched on him who pressed him nearest stretched him dead upon the earth by this time we had recognised estu and turned our horses heads but he with threatening words pursued us close and reaching my companion slew him with a blow he then his rage concentrated on me and with such fierceness thinking my end come i missed my aim the lance just glancing from his shield but he with one stroke bore me from my horse and three times struck at me as i helpless lay so that good faith he little life hath left this my good lord is how the thing hath happed know you asked geoffrey full of thought the road he took and where he may be met my lord i cannot tell but little do i doubt that you will find him earlier than you wish haste then to fly such presence for believe you cannot gain thereby aught else but iron and you take my advice you'll change your route change my route say ye quoth sir geoffrey no by my troth nay more i will but follow him the closer up and should i catch this lord we part not he may rest assured without a struggle and without learning too which of us twain doth bear the stouter heart the stronger arm or wield the better sword he took his leave with these words of the knight the latter prayed him to pass by his keep and send him aid from thence i will not fail said geoffrey towards the manner of the dying man he took his way and after some brief space he saw high towers and two squires well armed who mounted guard before a raised drawbridge friends he exclaimed to them god save you both and you my lord from every harm they said i have sad message for you added geoffrey and bad news 
your lord is lying yonder sorely hurt and his two comrades are both slain estude of Effe has misused them thus so hasten to your lord who wants your help he then commended them to god and parted in all haste geoffrey resumed his way now trotting hard and now at ambling pace until he reached a valley deep and dark there he beheld the blaze of a great fire round which were met a numerous company trusting he might get tidings there of estute and of tola for truly counted he on fighting both he straightway rode to where the fire was and found there figures that await surprise lords in rich vestments roasted a wild boar meanwhile by dwarfs stunted and out of shape the spit was turned good sirs said geoffrey civilly could i but learn from some of you where i may meet a lord i have followed this night through friend exclaimed one in answer it may be we can tell you when we know his name i seek said geoffrey estude de verfay and tola called the lord of rougimont friend said the knight with courtesy from hence depart and that with greatest speed for should estu but chance to meet you here thus armed i would not give a denier for your life he is so valiant and so stout of limb that never yet hath he encountered foe who could make head against him all these you see around are knights of proof and can meet sturdy blows nathless he hath subdued us all and we are forced to follow him on foot wherever choice or venture leads him on we are now engaged preparing him his food so i advise you to depart at once not so indeed said geoffrey i came not here to flee before i turn my face my shield shall be destroyed my hauberk riven and my arm so bruised it cannot wield a blade whilst thus they held discourse behold a stew arrived full spur and at the sight of geoffrey cried aloud who art thou vassal who thus darest to come and meddle with my men and who are you said geoffrey in reply who use such pleasant words thou shalt know that anon are you estu i am indeed for long have i been seeking you throughout this weary night without e'er stopping in my course or closing eye and for what end hast thou thus sought me out for that i wish to know why thou hast slain the three knights on the road which act i take to be a sin and wrong and is it for this that thou art hither come thou wouldst have better done to stay behind for to thy ruin do i meet thee here thou shalt this instant lose that head of thine or follow me on foot like yonder knights who patter humbly at my horse's heels deliver therefore up to me thy shield thy breastplate and thy sword and the bay horse that's brought thy body here by care shall be to guard them with my life quoth geoffrey twas the good king bestowed this courser on me when he armed me knight as to the shield thou shalt not have it whole nor e'en the hauberk without rent or stain thou takest me for a child whom thy poor threats can frighten the shield the hauberk and the horse are not yet thine but if they please thee try about to win them as to thy threats i scorn them threats saith the proverb often cover fear Estu drew off his horse at these bold words, and Geoffrey nerved him to sustain the shock. Then ran they at each other with their utmost speed. Estu struck Geoffrey on the shield's bright boss, and with such mighty strength that through the riven metal went the lance, 
breaking the mail which guarded his broad chest and grazing e'en the skin geoffrey meanwhile had struck his foe in turn and with so just an aim he lost at once his stirrups and his seat and rolled half stunned upon the ground he rose again full quickly pale with rage and came with upraised sword towards geoffrey the latter wishing his good horse to spare at once leapt on the sod and raised his shield twas just in time estu in his fierce rage brandished his sword with both his hands and made it thunder down with such effect the shield was cloven to the arm saint peter murmured geoffrey thou dost covet this poor shield still if naught stay me it shall cost thee dear suiting to such words the act upon estu's bright cask he then let fly so fierce a downward stroke that fire issued therefrom but the good helm of proof was not a whit the worse with gathering fury estu came again and with one stroke pared from sir geoffrey's shield the double rim full half a palm of mail and the left spur which was cut through as the blade reached the ground wondering at the vigour of his dreadful foe geoffrey on his side struck a second time his burnished helm and with such force his sword in twain was broken yet left it not upon the trusty steel even the slightest dent heaven thought geoffrey what doth this pretend confounded be the hand that helmet wrought whereon my blade hath spent itself in vain then estu uttering a fearful cry as he beheld sir geoffrey's sword in two flew straight towards him and in his turn struck the son of Dovon on the helm smashing the visor as the blow came down had he not raised in time the remnant of his shield which that fell stroke for eye destroyed the combat had been done knight said sir geoffrey thou dost press me sore and i good sooth must indeed be witched strike as i will upon that helm of thine i cannot crack its shell as thus he spoke he launched a desperate blow with what was left him of his blade which falling on the cask of his stout flow like hammer on an anvil for the time deprived him both of sight and sound with dizzy eye and tottering step estu thinking to strike at geoffrey whom he would have cloven to the heel had he received the blow let fall his sword with such unbounded rage it struck into the ground and buried half its blade before he could withdraw it the young knight casting aside the battered shield and broken sword seized with both arms estu about the waist and that with such good will his very ribs were heard to crack within to cast him to the ground undo his helm and seize his sword to strike off his foe's head were but an instant's work estu who moved not cried with feeble voice percy good knight o slay me not but take of me such ransom as thou wilt i own that thou hast vanquished me thou shalt have mercy geoffrey then replied and thou dost that which i shall now command it shall be done most willingly my lord thou canst not ask a thing i will not do in the first place said geoffrey thou shalt go and yield thyself a captive to king arthur with all these knights to whom thou must restore what thou hast ta'en from them and thou shalt then relate to that good king 
how I have thus o'ercome thee in the fight. I will do so full willingly by heaven, Estu replied, and now, said Geoffrey, give to me thine arms, for mine have been all hacked and hewed by thee. Agreed, my lord, give me your hand, the bargain shall be kept, and well can I aver, without a lie, that ne'er did knight boast armour such as mine. Many's the blow may fall upon this helm, yet never pass it through. No lance can dim this shield or pierce this mail. And for this sword, so hard is it of temper, iron nor bronze nor steel resists its edge. Geoffrey then donned these valuable arms, and whilst he buckled on the shining helm and burnished shield, and girded the good sword, the captives of Estu came up to do him homage. They were two score in number, all of price and lofty lineage, who addressed him mid warm smiles of joy. Fair lord, what answer will ye that we make when good King Arthur asks the name of him who sets us free? You will reply that Geoffrey is his name, Geoffrey the son of Dovon. This said, he ordered that his horse be led, for still he burned to overtake Tola, and though Estu and all the knights pressed him a while to tarry, yet he stayed neither to eat nor take the least repose. From squire's hands receiving shield and lance, he took his leave, and wandered on his way. The day came on both clear and beautiful, a bright sun rose on fields, humex with dew. Charmed with the springtide and the matin hour, the birds sang merrily beneath the verdant shade, and conned their Latin notes. Geoffrey Nathless went straight upon his road, still bent on finding Tola, for to him nor peace, nor rest, nor pleasure can e'er come till that proud lord be met. End of chapter 2